Good morning. How many people have the heat on in their house yet? Okay, just checking around. We just have the living room. My mother-in-law is with us, so we've lucked out. If she wasn't here, I don't know, but uh, it, is, it is on. November's coming. Who can go to November? I don't know, but uh, anyway, it's good to see. Pardon? <laughs> Cindy, I think, just said, not us. Okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Something about that. Well, we're in part four of our five-part series, Get in the Game, Finding Your Place. And uh, we've been walking our way through it. And today's message, you know, I have to be clear, there's going to be parts of today's message where I would like to uh, talk a little bit more about some other things that we've already covered. So in a sense, it is a standalone message, but it isn't a standalone message. So if you take something away, you need to realize that some of the things that we're presenting, talking about this morning, have a part B and part C that we looked at the first few weeks. And you can catch up uh, by looking there, and also you can go to uh, guest services and request a CD. So uh, just, just understand that. So far, we've taken a look at trust and how being vulnerable is so important. Uh, we need to have a culture of trust where we trust one another, where we're okay with someone else uh, speaking into our lives and seeing something, and we can be vulnerable. We understand, we, we, we present that we don't have it all together, and that's okay, so it's a mutual trust. Um, also, we took a, talked about healthy conflict. Instead of running from conflict and fearing conflict, we need to face conflict. And it's not in a, in a, in a wrong way. And there's, again, there's some extremes in that. But when you and I find ourselves afraid or fearing conflict all the time because we don't trust, things build up and it creates unhealthy conflict. And that is something you just don't throw a switch. You've got to move in that. You've got to be in process with that. But we talked again about healthy conflict. And last week we talked about being all in and commitment and uh, how that when we trust, uh, when there can be healthy conflict, hard conversations, that we get to the place where we can be all in, where we can actually commit to whatever kind of team, organization, church, relationship, whatever you want to call it, we're in. And some of our uh, conversation over the last few weeks have been running parallel to a best business practice book called The Five Dysfunctions of Team, and an overview is available on Right Now Media. Anyone that you know, anyone that comes, uh, has access to Right Now Media. Uh, you can look at the back of your program, and you see that little weird box uh, don't do it necessarily right now, but uh, you can take a picture of that with your smartphone, and it will bring you right to the link of Right Now Media, and it will show you how to sign up so you can receive that. Uh, that's something the church subscribes to. It's all a part of helping make a difference in all of our lives. There are over 24,000 topics listed in Right Now Media. It's almost like a Netflix uh, for resources when it comes to growing in your faith. And then when you go there, I mean, there's veggie tales, there's kids stuff, there's also discipleship stuff. You'll also notice on the left side, there's this little area called Seneca Community Church. We have a couple of our own channels, and the channel that uh, you can find right now is this whole idea of get in the game. And we've got some suggestions there of some going further with it. But then again, there is that little area of five dysfunctions of team. You can click on that. 
You can go to there, and then you'll find a little box where you can watch a 30-minute overview of all the things, in a sense, we've been talking about. So I encourage you to take advantage of that. It's a great tool. It's a great resource that, again, is available. You have somebody in a different state and enough for a place of the world, and you're friends with them. You can actually point them to that, and they can use that, and, and that, that's fine. So we want to make that as, uh, available to, to anyone. So this morning, we're talking about accountability, embracing accountability. And really, if we're honest or genuine, most of us don't really like accountability. We don't like to be held accountable, and we don't like to hold others accountable. We just don't like to mess, get in there. But if you and I are going to get in the game, we need to be able to have those kinds of conversations. We need to actually be able to hold one another accountable. And there's a great theologian that talks about this. And let me just show, you to, show him to you. And he is basically speaking that, that if you're really going to get into the game, if you're going to really live life well, if you're going to have friends, this accountability has got to be a part of life. Because I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My problems have all gone. There's no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. Stop singing! Well, it's no wonder you don't have any friends. Wow. Only a true friend would be that truly There's that little clue. They sneak it in there. Only a true friend would be truly honest. Only a true friend would be truly honest. Some of us, myself included, don't always want to hear that. But if you're going to get in the game, if you're going to be all in, we got to get to the place where we can actually have relationships, we can be a part of teams, we can be in marriages, we can be in churches where we, in a healthy way, hold each other accountable. And we talked earlier on that often our friendships really aren't that deep. We may have a lot of mileage with the friend, but they're not that deep because we couldn't say anything to them and they couldn't say anything to us. And we're scared to death to do that. And if we're going to really be in the game, we've got to get the place where a true friend could be truly honest. Solomon says it this way. He says, those who trust their own insight are foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. You and I are walking through life, are playing the game of life, and we're in a sense exposed when we have sent the message that people cannot be honest with us. Again, weeks ago we talked about how to be properly honest with each other, the atmosphere, how to do that. We've talked a lot of times about the idea that... Um, that uh, approach will kill content every time. So you need to think about your approach. But this idea that all of us, are, many of us can be walking through life with major areas of exposure in our life, weakness in our life, because no one would say anything to us because they know we won't respond, we will react. And that's a horrible way to live. Welcome to Seneca Community Church with a feel-good message this morning. 
one of my favorite semi-safe ways to talk about this subject is to show some of the auditions from American Idol. So just watch this. Accountability, remember, folks. Verse in the chorus, please. I've got sunshine on a cloudy day when it's cold outside. I've got the middle of May. Well, I guess you say what can make me feel this way, my girl. Stephen, 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 stop. That was terrible. I mean, seriously terrible. Paula, oh <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. I thought it was really bad too. Uh, you may be um, somewhat, there's, there's a phrase called tone deaf. If you like me sing one of my original songs. No, I couldn't hear anymore. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, we, we've, yeah, honestly yeah. Stephen, without being rude, we've heard enough. I, I believe I've been best in America and I believe I can do a lot for this country. I love selling music and I love performing. Okay. Okay. All right. Great, why don't you give us, give well, why don't you start with whatever song you want. As I look into your eyes, I tell you what I see. Girl, you're the one I'm going to keep in my dreams. I want to hope. You want to hear the chorus? No, I couldn't hear anymore. Okay. <coughs> Best singer in America. Oh, yeah. Right. I can honestly say you are the worst singer in America. Really? Truthfully. Well, that's my first audition. So. Well, I'm not surprised and it should be your last. That way. Okay. I just want to be somebody's product. I want you guys to recreate me. Well, this is a pen, not a magic wand. You have to start with a modicum of talent. Simon, he's rough. But you know what? I can't find these clips. I can remember first time looking at this years ago that there was a guy who came on that talked about he sang at his church and all his friends thought he sang wonderfully. And so the problem is, is no one told him. No one told him. That's like having something caught in your teeth and going out in public, and no one dares say anything. So it may seem harsh the way Simon and the rest of the team act, but they should never have gotten there. Someone had, should have been able to say, you're not good at this, but you are good at this. You see, accountability, when you and I don't exercise it, it sets someone up to be crushed, humiliated. Uh, they step into something that is just a huge mess. But we just don't want to do that. Yet if we're going to get in the game, we have to hold people accountable and people have to hold us accountable. It has to work both ways. Solomon again. Better is an open rebuke than hidden wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So the idea here is that an enemy actually sets you up, sets me up for failure, exposure, when they don't give me an honest answer, when they don't say something accurately. And when I present that you can't speak into my life accurately, I can send that vibe. I can actually say, please, if you see something that doesn't line up, say something. But I, but I can send the message. I say that, but I don't want that. It sets me up for failure. It sets you up for failure. Actually, better is open rebuke than hidden love. We believe that on paper, 
but we're not there yet. And again, approach gets killed, uh, kills content all the time. So we have to realize that. You see, accountability is hard. It's hard. And the reason it's hard for most of us is we have a distorted view of nice. We think it's not nice to hold somebody accountable. We don't think it's nice. We don't think it's nice when someone holds us accountable. Again, American Idol helps us with this again. Wow. Paula. Well, you are very, very outgoing and you woke us up, that's for sure. Morning. <laughs> I, I personally don't feel that you're the next American Idol. Stephanie, you're not a very good singer. I'm sorry? I don't think you're a very good singer. I think you're lying through your teeth. In my expertise as a producer, having worked with some of the greatest singers ever to grace the planet, uh-huh. Mariah, Whitney, Aretha, Celine, all of these women, Stephanie, you're not a very good singer. I think I am. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please believe us, Stephanie. It wasn't great. You haven't left the cheese company. No, but I did tell him now that I'm on national television that... Uh... Well, tell them the good news is you're going to be back on Monday. <laughs> Stephanie, thanks a lot. Yes or no? Oh, yes or no? that's so sad. No for I... Hollywood. No. So I, I think that you have a pretty voice, but I think that you need a lot more vocal training. Well, listen, sweetheart, <laughs> I don't really care about your opinion. I really could care less because I'm 22 years old and I'm beautiful and I can sing, so... I really don't care what you think. Okay. And I'm going to be a star, and you have my number, and if you change your mind, give me a call. Ciao. Woo! Maybe we've made a mistake. I think we may have made a mistake. We've made a big mistake. See, we don't think it's nice. And you know, it's just not in church world, it goes broader. Many people will quote this famous line from Jesus' words. Actually, in a couple weeks we're starting a new series, and we'll be looking that Jesus on, and one of the subjects will be going through the Beatitudes. But uh, for right now, we see this idea, and we actually will have people that really don't have any interest in faith. They'll throw this out, judge not that ye be not judged. Because they, again, and we project that it's not nice. But I'll tell you, there's been some times in my life, and I hope there's been some times in your life, where someone has held you accountable, spoken into your life, and saved you from some tragedy, from some difficulties. Some of us, some of us, because we don't think it's nice and it's none of their business, have responded like those two young women and have ended up in the middle of it. Because again, we don't think it's nice. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he's really speaking into their lives, and they've got all kinds of issues, and he's writing a second letter to them, and this is, this is what he says. Again, this is our distorted view of nice. He says this, how painful it was to write that letter. Heartbroken. I cried over it. I didn't want to hurt you, but I wanted to know you to know how much I love you. See, if you've read 1 Corinthians, the book to, the, uh, for, to Corinth, he, he explains a lot of things to them, and when he wrote that, he really didn't want to do it, because he knew it was going to, he, he didn't want to hurt them, he, he agonized over it, yet at the same time, he loved them too much not to write that book, that, actually that letter to them. 
And so, again, it's a distorted view of nice. You have to have the right relationship, all those kinds of things. But, again, we have a distorted view of nice, so we don't want to hold people accountable, and we don't think it's nice when people hold us accountable. We also have a distorted view of responsibility. It goes back to the first uh, brothers. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I should be off the hook, not responsible for him. Most of us know the rest of the story. Cain had actually taken the life of Abel. But the idea here is, the concept is, is we are responsible for one another. It is our responsibility. Especially when you're in a family, in a marriage, when you're in a church family, when you're in a community group, when you're in a working team, you, we are, especially Christ followers, we are responsible for one another. That's why you've got this idea of brother and sister, brothers and sisters in Christ, family, responsibility for one another. In Leviticus, I, and there's a lot in Leviticus that... Uh, ceremonial law, but concepts ring through till today. And I really don't like this one, but Leviticus 19:17 says this: Confront your neighbors, confront your neighbors directly so you will not be held guilty for their crimes. Now you have to understand what neighbors means. Neighbors means those you're connected with. It's, you shouldn't just go up to a stranger who happens to live next to you and let them have it. Jesus tells us about neighbors. We don't have time to go there. But the idea is that we're responsible for other people's actions. If we were out in the parking lot and a little child was running out and we saw a car coming and we just didn't say anything to that kid and the kid got hit, we would be upset with the person that just didn't say anything. We would actually say, I mean, yeah, yeah, you didn't push the kid in front of the car, but you are a little responsible. You should have stepped in and done what you could have done. You see, we're responsible for the actions of those in our life that we're aware of. And what blows my mind is when I watch someone getting ready to step off a step into some kind of mess, and they're my close neighbor, in a sense. They're my family. They're a part of me, and I don't say anything. There's this little ripple that I can be held responsible for what they did. I'm held responsible for the way Cindy or Cindy and I, the way we grow and, and, and raise our children. Some of their behavior today we might be responsible for. There might have been some things that we did or didn't do. Now, we're held responsible. And so, a distorted view of responsibility. And again, you can take this too far, swing it one way, swing it the other way. I hope when I say these things, you understand the parameters around here. That's why I said this, in a sense, is not a standalone message. You have to go back and hear about healthy conflict and saying hard things and those kinds of ideas. Again, American Idol gives us a obvious example of family and friends letting their, their people go on American Idol when they, they really weren't ready or prepared for that. 
People need someone to look up to. Thank you. Randy. I don't think that you're a solo singer at all. I think you're I'm more, sorry? I don't feel that you're a solo singer. I don't feel that you have a solo singer's voice. <laughs> I'm quite sure I sing a whole lot better than you do. And for you to tell me I need lessons? Tamika, Tamika. Enough, <laughs> enough, enough, oh, enough. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt and I'm angry. I'm standing here being judged by people about how you sing. You're not singing, are you? And for you to tell me that I need lessons? Tamika, Tamika. 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 Tamika, listen to me. Tamika, Tamika. Not Tamika. Tamika. Tamika, go to an audition where they lie to you. Thank you very much indeed. I'm not about to go to an audition where they lie to me. Yeah, we're telling you the truth and you don't want to hear it. Go there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Because y'all got problems. Y'all got major issues. We could apply that subject to something else beyond singing, couldn't we? I know there's been times where I've said, no, you don't understand what I'm going through. You're not the one singing. You're not the one doing it. So you're saying this to me, blah, 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 blah. We've all been there. We've all been on both sides of that. You don't understand. You don't get me. And we're trying to, in a sense, push the accountability away from us. Now, sometimes it's absolutely wrong. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Take the, the beam, the two-by-four out of your eye before you, uh, you know, pick the splinter out of somebody else's eye. So getting that concept, getting to this place, we, we push people off. Patrick Lassoni writes this. He writes, the most important challenge of building a team where people hold one another accountable is overcoming the understandable hesitance of human beings to give one another critical feedback. When we fail to provide our peers with constructive feedback, we're letting them down personally. By holding back, we're hurting not only the team, but also our teammates themselves. Doesn't need much more explanation of that. If we're going to get in the game, if we're going to find our place, we need to wade into the waters of accountability. It needs to be a part of who we are. And where else should it be, in a sense, presented, navigated, walked through more perfectly than in the context of being in fellowship with God through Jesus Christ, connected to God, having the Holy Spirit a part of your life. We, we should have a handle on this as Christ followers, better than any other organization, anyone. We should be really good at it, tender at it, clear at it, solid at it. But often we find the weird stories come from Christ followers just not knowing how to, to do this, not willing to do this. Accountability is not an option. It's not optional. If you're going to get in the game, if you're going to find your place, it's not optional. Uh, Jesus lived it. Now, he lived it perfectly, but Jesus lived it. Jesus didn't live it for us as an example to say, hey, look what I can do, and you'll never come close. He doesn't say that. He goes, look what I did, how I navigated this world. Now try to copy my behavior. Try to get it. And again, what I said earlier, what's wonderful, if you've said yes to Christ, you're not doing this 
from a distance. God is with you. God is present in your life, in your, in your very being, through the ministry, through the, through the person of the Holy Spirit. So you have him with you. John 1.14, the word became flesh, referring to Jesus. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us, born in a manger. We have seen his glory, seen the wow, seen the significance, seen his importance. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Both. Not 50-50, just full of grace and truth. And that is offered to you and I as we follow Christ. One day at a time, week after week, hopefully, hopefully, the expression of grace and truth in our lives increases. It matures. It understands. And it just, it just functions because we want to be Jesus followers, Christ followers. So if Jesus lived it, then you and I ought to live it too. Back to American Idol. Hollywood. Well, that means I think, I, I think is, that's a prerequisite. I'm so good, to, though. Yeah, yeah, we know, we know, we know. Uh, we just, she's. You're going. She's sending her, right? <clears throat> oh man. Hello. Do you have a twin? <laughs> Those two guys didn't help it, did they? No, you were good. You were good. You know, they were kind of like NRA, and back she goes. Back she goes in. What kind of person are you? What kind of person am I? Would I kind of set that in motion, or will I say nicely what needs to be said? Now, as we think about accountability, we think Jesus lived it, but also I'm going to say that spiritual growth forces it. It has to be a part of our lives. We have to be receivers of it, and presenters of it. It's a part of the spiritual growth process. In Ephesians, we read, God wants us to grow up. Are we really growing up? Are you just over the line of faith? Have you said yes to Jesus, but you're still not really growing up? The way you express the faith, the way I live my faith, is it, is it like I did five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Is there some growth in it? Am I different? I hope, I hope that I personally will be different than I am this year, next year. I hope I'm growing. Uh, Len, and Robbins, Len Robinson and Hope were here for a wedding, and I connected with uh, Len on the way out, and we were just talking about life and those kinds of things, and, and we both talked about that we're still growing, and we still want to be more than we are in our faith. We want to live and embrace it in a fuller way, and it will never completely be complete in this chapter of life. And so we keep moving in that direction, hand in hand with Christ, because we want to grow up. Would those around you actually be able to say, you are growing up? Or that we wouldn't? I don't know. Only you know. They know. Grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. That takes growth. 
So if you and I are going to grow in our faith, we have to wade into the waters of accountability. We have to embrace accountability. We have to be a person that practices it and receives it. And the American Idol contestants don't have any idea about this. Oh, man. Hello? Do you have a twin? I was just curious if I did make it, if I'm coming to Hollywood, because I, I think I have what it takes. We said no. We said no. We but why? Because you're not good enough. Because you're not good enough. You're not a good singer at all. See, the thing is, I'm right here because I'm, I'm the whole package right here. I got the looks, I got the style, and I'm the next Tina Marie or the Stephanie Sugarman right here. Let me tell you. Good loving body, rocking, knocking boots all night long. Making love until it's Well, I guess she's auditioning all over. <laughs> Stephanie, 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 Stephanie. Stephanie, it's okay. Listen, honey, okay. auditions, you either get it or you don't. And you oh, go I on know. to, honey, you go on to the next audition. I will. See you later, and you take, Stephanie. You, take you won't criticism. be coming to Hollywood. See you later. I will be coming to Hollywood and I'll see you and my millions are going to be there. <laughs> when you and I don't receive accountability. We're saying, I am the whole package. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I am the whole package. And when you're not close enough to someone to actually speak into their lives, you're actually sending them out with the message that they are the whole package, that they've arrived. You see, it's our responsibility to be accountable and to hold others accountable. It's not optional. So how do we be helpful with accountability? How are we to be helpful? Ephesians 4.29 says it this way, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That verse right there, how are you helpful? You are trying to say things that build the other person up according to their needs, that it benefits those who listen. So you and I, when we're going to be helpful, we have to look again at our approach, and we have to know the person and know how to say things that don't create a, a huge spirit of defensiveness. We know how to push people's buttons. We know how to make certain people be more responsive or not responsive. So you, yes, you need to be a student of the scriptures, but you need to be a student of the people in your lives. You need to know them well so that you can be helpful. Because again, we don't want people to be exposed to, to things in their life that they don't need to be if they could just hear something. So we want to present, we want to communicate in a way that they can listen. And it's interesting because the next verse says this, so when you and I as a Christ follower don't get this, listen to the next verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when you and I don't work to be getting this better and better in our lives, when we don't say something that's helpful to somebody else, we are actually grieving the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I need 
access, sensitivity, closeness to the Holy Spirit every minute of my life. I need a responsiveness to Him, uh, be receptive to Him. So when I do not say things that are helpful to others, and I know I'm not doing it, sometimes you don't know, and you've got to reposture, but, but when, I, when I am not sensitive to their needs, when I'm not aware of it, when I just want to let them have it because I'm just irritated with them, I'm sick of the behavior, I'm sick of the blowback into my own life, I actually grieve not only them, not only those who hear it, but I grieve the Spirit of God can't get away from it. Can't get away from it. So Paul wants us to be helpful. Some of us are familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. We're not going to walk all through that. Those of you in community groups who are message-based, you can read this when you're in your group together. You can also read this on your own. But if you recall the story, uh, when David was all supposed to be in another place off to war like kings were supposed to be in the springtime, uh, he wasn't. He sees a woman bathing. He calls for her, sleeps with her. She gets uh, pregnant, and uh, all of a sudden he's got to fix this problem. Uh, so he tries to get her husband Uriah back. He comes back. A uh, man of integrity won't go down and be with his wife. He stays uh, at, the, at the castle, at the citadel, because all his fellow service personnel are out there, and he feels it's not fair. Uh, so finally David tries all kinds of things to get him to go down to see his wife. He doesn't. Sends him back with a letter to the captain of the guards saying, you know, when the battle gets bad, pull back and let Uriah get it. And uh, does that. David calls for Bathsheba after Uriah is dead, marries her. Guessing, I don't know, seven, eight months later, uh, things seem to have gone David's way and he's all set. But it doesn't unfold that way. There needs to be some accountability. And we're going to walk through this real quickly. Uh, but the first thing we need to think about when we're going to be helpful with accountability is we start with the idea of being honest. Honest. When the story gets summed up, this is the capstone on the story. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. When you and I are getting ready to hold someone accountable, we need to be honest with ourselves and make sure it's not our preference, it's not our tradition, even though it's good, we have to make sure that it really displeases the Lord. In other words, we need to make sure the issue is, is, is the issue unbiblical, is the issue unwise, is the issue unimportant, or is it just you? And you've got to be honest about that. How many times have I been involved, you've been involved with situations where all of a sudden you realize that it really doesn't have anything to do with God's displeasure. It's all your personal preference. It's your thing. It's you. Or how many times you've been involved in a situation where the accountability really is unimportant. And it really, it didn't need to be addressed. You have to be honest. We see that Nathan will go to David because it displeased the Lord. And next, we have to ask ourselves, who, or who is enlisting us to take action? Nathan 
was sent by David. So when I'm in these situations, I don't like these situations, I have learned, I have learned that I don't have the luxury to not hold someone accountable or be held accountable to somebody else because it always gets worse. But when I'm feeling this, I have to ask the Lord, is he sending me or is this Dave Spencer's pride, point of view, whatever? And if it is those things, I need to let those things go. Absolutely. Second part of Ephesians 4b says this, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source, hopefully, <laughs> of everything we do. So even when it comes to our accountability, if it's going to be helpful, we need to make sure that he has enlisted us. Also, real quickly, the location. Accountability doesn't place, take place on text messages, emails, all those kinds of things. Maybe it can be on the phone, but really it's better to be face-to-face. -face. Nathan, Nathan came to him as in David. He didn't send somebody else. He went to them. When you and I are in these processes, it needs to be a face-to-face -face kind of thing. A lot of things can be miscommunicated. It's just not wise. Just not wise. Now, there are some times where you've gone through this and you need to write out your thoughts. I get that. So these, aren't, these are guidelines. This is You go to him. Sometimes you may have to write some things out or maybe someone's far away. But under normal situations, you need to meet with that person face-to-face. Take a lot of time and go through Matthew 18. Want to draw this out. Go and tell him. Go and tell the person that you need to have this issue with. Or this accountability needs to be taken care of. Go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he or she listens, you have made a friend. Or I might say, applying it, you have a friend. Because when again, when you and I can't do this, there's something fragile about the relationship. Too many times, so I get in these situations, and somebody has something that probably needs to be said, but they're afraid to say it, so they will not say it because they don't think the relationship can handle it. That tells me the relationship really isn't that strong. I would hope that those closest to me could speak into my life, and it might sting, it might make me mad, it might make me angry, but in the long term, that I would get it, that I would hear it, and that it would help me grow. Go to the person. Also, the idea is we need to make it palatable. This goes along again with the whole idea of our approach. Nathan tells a story, doesn't go directly at David with what happened, but he goes to the story, walks through, again, you can read about it, so that David listens. He, he, he knows how to present the situation so David is engaged with it, is emotionally engaged with it, and David burns with anger against the man. And Nathan says, you're the guy. So make it so they can hear it. Make it so they can taste it. You know when you're beating around the bush and when you're making it palatable. I don't. I can't. Every situation's a little bit different. 
Also, you need to face it. You can't just, you can't just ignore it. Again, Nathan eventually has to say, you, you're the man. Rari talked about speaking to our neighbors, so we face it. I don't know if I, I I'd be curious if you could tell me a good story, but uh, so I could use it sometime. I don't know of a story where someone totally avoided having this conversation for years and years and years and years, and it, and it ended up working out better than if they just talked to the person. Don't, don't know those stories. Yeah, we had this issue, but we just, we just pretended it didn't exist and went on for another 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and, you know, and it was our relationship. I, I don't know if that's really, that's really possible. We face it. We also, we also have an understanding, if we're going to be helpful, uh, understanding on both sides. Really, when somebody holds us accountable, even if it's an unwise situation, it's really, in a sense, being out of aligned with God. We call that sin. I've sinned against the Lord, David says. He owns it. Uh, you and I, if we're going to allow people to be helpful into our lives, we need to be clear and, and own it when it's time to own it. David very quickly owns it. He, he could have come up with another plan and gotten rid of uh, Nathan if he wanted to. And then Nathan says this, this wonderful thing. The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. You're not, uh, not going to pay the price. There will be consequences, but you're not going to pay the price for your sin, your disobedience, your selfishness. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion. And one of the big parts of remembering is that we realize that our sins have been taken away. Thinking about that, I, I couldn't avoid showing something that most of us have seen on Facebook, most of us heard, most of us heard of, of the case where a young police officer went in and uh, shot one of her neighbors thinking that he was in her house. And again, we can go all that, all whether that's what happened there and all that, but what I really want to draw out is the response of the neighbor's brother. Uh, the brother who lost his life, uh, his brother responds this way. So just watch this. Or oh, how much you've taken from us. I think you know that. But I just... I hope you go to God with all what, all the guilt, all the, thing, the bad things you may have done in the past, each and every one of us may have done something that we're not supposed to do. If you truly are sorry, I know, I can speak for myself, I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not going to say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see, I, I 
personally want the best for you because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. And I don't wish anything bad on you. I don't know if this is possible, but can can I give her a hug, please? Yes. taken away your sins. Preparing for the next series, I listened to someone that said, that was a counselor, and he said that if 90% of my clients could feel forgiveness, 90% of my clients would never have to come back in for counseling. Forgiveness is huge. Be interested to see how the rest of that story unfolds. When you and I are trying to be helpful, we're in it for the long term. This may seem a little bit odd, but uh, David's uh, desires got in his way. That caused a lot of his problem. Later on in life, this is what is said about him. There was a very young, young woman who was very beautiful, and she was of service to the king and attended to him, but the king knew her not shows that as he lived his life, uh, he grew in this area. Nathan had been helpful to him, and he had not slid back into that area of sin in his life. And when you and I are holding someone accountable, we don't look at it as a one-and-done conversation. We tell them how it is, and then the issue just miraculously disappears because if we're honest with ourselves... Usually when you and I have a step of growth, a big step, a little step, it just doesn't happen in one second. There's a process. And so you're in it for the long term. Thessalonians read, Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. If you're going to be in the game, if you're going to find your place, accountability and embracing accountability has got to be a part of that process. And we've got to be helpful. And we've got to learn how to receive it. Sometimes our, the way we receive it helps somebody else learn how to hold others to accountability. Maybe a part of the deal is the way I receive it means that that person then will go into another situation and really have a huge impact in somebody else's life because you are mature enough to handle accountability. But if you're not, you're going to 
help somebody else to say, I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. Bottom line is this. To stand up for your friend sometimes means you need to stand up to your friend. We could also add there when it comes to the idea of friend, to stand up for your relationships, your marriage, your team, your family, your organization, your church. Sometimes that means you need to stand up to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wish I could say that I was an expert on receiving and giving accountability. It's an area that I, and I'm sure many of my friends here, need to grow in. Lord, help us, help us, help us, help us, walking in the Spirit, walking with you to learn how to receive accountability and to offer it. Help our approaches to be one that encourages and is beneficial to the one who hears and also respects the one who shares. I never want to be so hard-hearted that people close to me don't think they can speak into my life. Lord, we want to be in the game. We want to find our place. We want to live a life of purpose the best we can. Help us to be people and experts of accountability. Help us to embrace it. We ask this in your name. Amen.